Welcome to another episode of On the Path, a series where we talk about anything and everything that gets you to the path that you want to be on for AmpGuard and beyond, getting you to your belt path and to the next one. On this episode, we are investigating what is needed to create a welcoming and conducive environment for the new belt path battlemaster. All right, so this is uh, another episode of On the Path, not Paragon Path, because we're talking about more than just Paragon Hood. Um, and we're talking about kind of like the back end side of Battle Night, where we have to think about what kind of events we need to run, what we need to do as game designers, game runners, autocrats, warcrats, champions, to make sure that this knighthood has the opportunity to grow and, and not put dampers on like everyday park event, park games um, or every single battle game on a kingdom level. Because uh, that's the, one of the concerns is toxicity, um, but making sure that we have spaces specifically for this thing, like high-level tournaments for fighters or high-level ANS tournaments for uh, crafters. We need to create high-level battle games, I guess is the right terminology for that, or high-competitive battle games for our uh, battle nights coming up. So that's what we're going to discuss here. Um, and the two guests I have on are both autocrats uh, at various, I mean, both at kingdom levels and plus. Plus, uh, I think both of you have been kingdom champion before. Um, it's I've never held an office. <laughs> <laughs> Magnus has also been on the keep securocrat team. Uh, which is the same as playing keep away from a child. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, interesting well, times. We've we've got we've got some some people here that are gonna be able to give us more insight on this, especially from a larger standpoint, because that's kind of what we're gonna focus on. So, Magnus, you want to introduce yourself real quick? Yeah, sure. Uh, Sir Magnus Heartseeker uh, started playing Ampguard in two thousand seven. Uh, have run run many events. I've ran several autocrat, several uh, GACs. Uh, also have autocratted keep on the borderlands twice. Uh, I was a war master for another keep. And then uh, as you said, yeah, I also secured keep here and there. Uh, uh, along with that, also uh, was part of the original proposal back in 2019 that led to the 2020 proposal that Crix and I had made for uh, the original battle game Knighthood. Uh, which then went to the awards committee, and uh, it was also part of the awards committee that brought Battle Game Knighthood into being. I guess mm -hmm. I say part of it because I mean it was really Amp Guard, you know, speaking that they wanted that truly brought it. But but yes, that's me. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> and uh, Teflon. I'm uh, Teflon Frosthammer. Um, I'm one of the hosts for the WAC podcast. Um, I've done Kingdom Champion for Winter's Edge a couple times, I think, while it's Kingdom, several times while it was Principality, and then mm, I've done a lot. I've done a few, like, one-day Warcraft-type stuff that's kind of been on my own, or, like, my uh, finding company has hosted or something like, along those lines. Uh, so um, I've done a little bit of game design and that kind of thing. Um, I'm going to give my credits because I can do that. Uh, <laughs> I was co-warcrat for Keep on the Borderlands 2019 under Q-Ball. Um, I've been questocrat at Dungeon Day in Polaris, which is a full day of just a straight linear quest in a kind of dungeon-y area. Um, uh, I'm autocrat of the next of the upcoming event in May for 
Polaris, and uh, I just got out of Kingdom Prime Minister for almost two years, so I've seen a lot of the background stuff. But we're going to talk about why, uh, from various standpoints, we need and what we can do to kind of make this new knighthood flourish without causing problems. Um, because we don't, I don't, I mean, this is my opinion, I don't think we want potential battle game knights going 100% all the time at every single battle game. That that seems like we're going to run into the same problem of what people are concerned is that toxicity is going to take over and people aren't going to want to play our battle games. But we also at the same time don't want to create an environment where they're not allowed to be competitive. And I think we need to talk about the spaces that are going to work best for that environment. Um, where, where do you guys think we should start building uh we'll even go low like a lot the first three uh orders of the battle are kind of things you can kind of do on a regular basis at park they're they're fairly straightforward um they're just consistently playing your class consistently do using your abilities being mindful of the what the objective is those are all pretty basic those you can do with anything else but once you start going four five six seven um you start having to be a menace on the field almost that you're making a, an actual difference on a consistent base. I think it's five you have to do consistency. Is that right, Magnus? For, for five, fifth? Five, uh, yeah, yes. five is consistent, yep. uh, like tactical use of your abilities or tactical run through. Um, yeah, we should I pull it up. Bring like, it up real quick. Yeah. Like smart people, we should do that. Um, also, if you don't know a lot about the Battle Game Night, go watch Wax. Uh, battle game night discussion they run through the whole list and they do a really good job um it, it will give you pretty much all the insight you need on how to get from one to ten and where they think that fits uh on like kingdom levels what you're doing how to do something and it it'll definitely give you an insight into what what you need to do um, yeah so uh consistency does happen from third to fourth uh, third is for showing intermediate battle game skills like effectively using your abilities to capture and defend objectives uh in battle games leading small units effectively during a battle game or class battlefield prowess uh and fourth is for showing consistency in this in those skills okay so, uh, so you know you, you didn't just successfully use your abilities to defend or capture an objective in a few battle games you're, you're doing it in a majority of your battle games you're consistently showing that level of skill yeah and that's uh three to five is barony level which uh, uh three is shire and then shire. four and five are four barony. Five. okay um even six is barony i don't know about winter's edge but polaris's baronies are often closer to probably 5v5 to 12 or 15v15 for the larger battle games what are winter's edge baronies normally like um it kind of varies a little but um that's pretty close to average i think for us ours is probably a little lower on the upper end of it closer to the um probably eight or nine v eight or nine rather than the 12 or 15. okay um so when we're when we're looking at from just a park barony champion position uh are there things we can probably start looking for or doing to make sure that these battle knights have the opportunity to start rising through the ranks 
um, and not be hyper competitive every single time. You want to go first? Yeah, <laughs> go, go go for it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so for Ethel, you're we're just talking like one through three. You said right. Uh, well, um, one through that I think is going to happen regardless of whichever park you're at because it's pretty yeah. standard use of your class. If you start using yeah. your class well, you're fine. Yeah. So what, what numbers are you looking at? Again? Let, make let's sure I... let's look at four, five, and six. Okay. Yeah. So you know, for four, five, and six, um, you know, fourth and fifth. Fourth is when you're showing your intermediate skills. Fifth is when you're starting to show advanced skills, like you're swaying the momentum of the battle, uh, and you know, still using your abilities to capture and defend multiple objectives, uh, leading multiple small units in battle games to victory, uh, stuff like that. And you know, six is also showing that consistently. Mm-hmm. I think at a park level where it's barony or higher for those, uh, a lot of your everyday battle games that are already being ran, like if you're running a a capture of the flag or a node capture or a very heavy object game. Um, even in some cases, uh, uh, even like a mutual annihilation in some cases can be enough to kind of show that level of prowess. And a lot of it just comes down to actually, you know, looking, keeping an eye out and recognizing that your players are doing doing these things. Um, I would say having more games that have an objective more so than Mutual Annihilation will show this a little bit more, but for these levels, Mutual Annihilation battle games can also, you know, shatter battles. could still be a, uh, an effective way to show people sweating the momentum of battle or something like that, because you could be in an engagement and somebody could hit the right spell or crowd control the right person at the right time, which then gives your team the edge to start pushing and then winning that engagement and maybe you guys are down some and now that brought you up to a tie and you know if you're consistently do it you manage to maybe even do it again in the same same battle and now you now your team is winning uh so i can see that being a way to kind of show that in these games uh, that's kind of how i feel on it mm-hmm. um i agree uh for the most part i think that using um, multi-objective games is going to have a better effect for those trying to show consistency because they're going to be able to attack and defend multiple points over the time of the, the battle game. So you're going to see that push and pull more often. Um, and so you can say throughout one singular battle game, you see this one person constantly challenging the zones um, and constantly moving the zones in their favor or holding off a big push or something like that. You're going to see them do that more often and allow you to see that person be consistent with it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like a single objective, maybe uh, it's not as easy to see it. It just kind of depends on how the game's set up. But I also agree that the normal games being played on a day-to-day basis are typically the qu- kind of easy to put together objective he- heavy games because like CTF and node capture and things like those. So mm-hmm. I think on a local level on Barony and lower, it's going to be very easy to figure out, you know, who's doing thing, doing uh, consistent work or starting to show uh, advance from intermediate and things like that. So I think that we're probably fine there. The big thing will be attitude on field to control. And I think that's going to be up to your champion and Reeves at that point, whoever's doing um, breathing for your field at that time to help 
keep that culture of um, like good uh, competitive play with good attitude rather than being like challenging the Reeves on every call or, um, you know, being disruptive or something along those lines. Right. So in the, in this kind of context where, uh, currently it doesn't really matter if your kingdom has decided to go through a backlog of people that they think need to get these awards, or if everyone's building up from the beginning, um, there's going to be a certain point where we start seeing the people that should be at, you know, seven, eight or nine are going to keep doing their kind of basic level things. And we've got to start watching for those people rising. And I think we also have to give the, the people that are at those Paragon levels uh, plus, they need to kind of give the opportunities for the lowers to start being able to do everything. Um, I don't want to call that toxicity of like, a player is good so they consistently play well that's that's not toxic that's just playing um but i think especially as we start rising through the ranks we're gonna have to be aware that our fields are our fields and uh if you're always running the objective you're always scoring that point it might be a chance at a, a lower level park to take a step back and let somebody else possibly get that point um I think it would also show a lot more advanced tactician ability, advanced tactical ability if you are able to step back and still control the battlefield. Um, I know not every class can do that, but it is an opportunity that if you are, uh, if you are not running the show or you're not like leading the show, you can still run the show from behind the scenes. You can still be the stage manager while the show's going on. Mm -hmm. I think uh, another good point to bring up, and this is going to apply to every level of battle gaming is making sure that there's balance. I know I'm sure each and every one of us have been in a battle game, whether it's at park level, kingdom level, inter-kingdom level, where the scales have been just wildly <laughs> different, right? Yeah. Um, like, let's say we are at Crimson Circle, and Merrick, you and Jay and Morpheus all decide to show up as well. Mm-hmm. And we take, like, the three of you, myself, and Cena's in here, I'll pick on him. And we put him on the on the same team, too. And, you know, the other team has, has a few other higher-end, like, a couple other higher-end. But let's say that when you started thinking of people who are, like, more experienced in battle games, like, let's just say that 70% or even, like, 70 or 80% of, like, the higher-end battle gaming people who you know are good at battle gaming are on one side and the other side has not that many people. Um, you can sometimes look at a battle game lineup and know who's going to win just when you look across the field and be like, oh, I'm mm -hmm. going to win or lose this. And I think team balance is going to be one thing to kind of help decide that. Um, and, you know, help rein in the potential for people getting upset during battle games. I mean, that's it overall, too. Yes. Um, but also I, help to allow people to shine because those strong people... They can stop on those people all day long and look great, but <laughs> right, yes, because all the good people are are there. Um, well, also, like it gives the team who is kind of the underdog team a chance to shine as well, where they may not win because this this uh, award system was not set up to be a win system. This was to show. Um, prowess system, right? Yes. So if that losing team is still 
showing a competitive edge and it's because of leadership of someone or multiple people on the other team or through the actual battlefield prowess of a singular person um, or singular multiple people, if that makes sense, um, on the other team, then that is also something to pay a lot of attention to as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think... I think another thing... Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, go, 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 go. Oh, I, I think another uh, good thing to, to recognize with this as well, because um, I know a lot of people might start focusing on who was scoring the objectives or who mm -hmm. was getting these points or who was uh, there when this happened. Um, I know, Merrick, I already showed you the video today. Yeah. Of, uh, there is a, there's a video that uh, uh, one of our players members, uh, Hazel, had uh, recorded and it is me like it's it's focusing on the whole battle but you see me run out hauling ass with this flag like just getting the heck out of this this zone to go and score a point and yeah i thank god for bark skin too because i took a hit <laughs> um you see a throwy hit me square on it i'm like yes bark skin uh but i was like yes i'm running away and i'm escaping i managed to score the point but the reason i scored that point is because another one of our players, Vitalin, in his he was playing a paladin and in his four points of armor, dives the hell into the entire rest of that team and locks them down while they just beat him down and kill him. So I get away, and then they go running off after me. But he stopped them for enough time for me to go and score a point. Mm -hmm. um, so I mean, I think that's a thing as well as to just make sure that there's people that are watchful of things like that too, because. Yes. There's plenty of ways to contribute without being the the, the star that scores the points. Mm -hmm. I think that can be another way where where uh, more advanced players can still kind of shine and do their work while letting letting players that are up and coming still be like helping out and scoring the points and stuff like that while still mm -hmm. playing a very active role in a class battle game. Yeah, this is this is gonna require this is gonna require a lot of watchfulness from everyone that is got any battle game experience at all, basically to keep an eye out for anything that happens and try to figure out why it happened. So we can figure out who did what and where they should be awarded. If they should be awarded at all. Um, I think your Reeves are going to be one of the most valuable people if you mm -hmm. allow them to be. Um, and this may be a cultural thing of your champion. Um, if they're not reaving, um, going to the Reeves and asking, Hey, did you see, you know, something that was worthy of whatever award or maybe, Hey, what kind of things happened that were like key plays or something like that? Yep. Um, having some sort of observe and report kind of system. Although I hate really putting it in that direction in a way, but if you um, see something, say something. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, uh, but it, it just comes down to the general thing in amp guard that we need to recommend people more often. And this is another way to, facilitate that in some ways right yeah it's i almost want to give like on if i'm running a, uh, and i have a, an event coming up in may um i think i'm going to request my warcrat charlie to uh Hello. have all of the reeves <laughs> and people running battle games just have a notebook on them and if they see something write down the name just just so i'll have to put that in my budget for battle games <laughs> our budget dropped a lot our site went from five grand to two grand we are way go we are way better than we were on my last budget um we can afford notebooks uh yes so but i want like i it 
there's a lot of times that you see something and you're like, that was cool. And then you move on and you forget about it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think we need to actively keep writing people's names down. And the, the notebook thing is I'm wholesale stealing from, uh, Sir Zyke McNasty, who just had a notebook. He'd walk around, he'd ask for people if they were available to do something. When they went and did something, he just had their name down in a notebook. And at the end of the event, he had seven or eight pages of like, hey, this person helped take out trash, this person helped go over here, this person helped in the kitchen when they were short staff, whatever. And he just had that whole thing, and award recs went great, because you had them right there. Um, you'd have somebody as a scribe going around, <laughs> almost. <laughs> make it just, well, roll. I want to I shout out Clover, because uh, what he's been doing is a IOU kind of system, so he's taking the notebook approach, right, as Monarch, mm-hmm. and anytime he sees something, he'll write it down in the notebook, and at the end of the day, he'll be like, okay, cool, I owe you a first order of the owl, or a fifth order of the whatever, and things like that, and then we'll get the details for the actual award to send out later on, but it kind of makes sure that he's giving these awards out and, and making sure he doesn't forget them and things like this, so I mm-hmm. think that a notebook thing is really good and a good way to keep it, uh, I guess, fresh and in your memory. Um, and then you have the the log right there as well. It's just one more step for work for our volunteers, which is annoying in a way, but it's probably better in the long run. I mean, I'd I know rather well, over award than under award because we forgot. Oh no, it's not that. It's that just one more thing for the volunteers to have. Yeah, yeah it's, to it's do. a lot of. I mean, part of that I think it we can we can treat our volunteers better and make sure we award them as well. Cause if they're taking yes. out notes, they were obviously doing something. So it would be like, mm-hmm. whose notebook is this? Great. Like Torgan wrote down 30 yes. people's names. Cause he was a monster and he watched a bunch of stuff. Great. Torgan was watching. <laughs> I, uh, I really think, uh, this does fall into like a similar vein of like how Reeves are usually the primary people who recommend people for Griffins in tournaments. Yes. Uh, it's it's very similar in this regard, and I think uh, a Reeves word for battle game Reeves should be taken, you know, with the same level of weight as they would recommending Griffins. Mm-hmm. And on that same note, like in in tournaments, where players that are actively in those tournaments should be at least I know I do uh, recommending, you know, their fellow people that they're fighting for Griffins as well. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think we can evolve that kind of culture in Ampgard as a whole to be like, hey. There's no problem going to something and saying, I saw a person do awesome thing, whether it be a Reeve on the field to make sure that they write it down or going directly to the Monarch and being like, man, Merrick really went here and he he locked down this this whole side of the team with a bunch of awes because Bard. <laughs> and, yes. and that gave us the opening to get through if it weren't for him. Like, mm, mm-hmm. we don't know where we'd be. Like, going out and even just telling your Monarch, but I think there has to be like a level of being comfortable doing that too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's like one, well, no, it's not, it's, it's a lot of people have, I think a hesitation about telling the monarch what they think the person should get because they either feel like they don't have the same experiences as the monarch or they don't have the level of experience to comment on what it is. Um, that doesn't matter. Just tell them what happened and that you think it fits into X thing and they'll figure it out. That's part of the monarch's job. Like, exactly. They Their job is to I, go figure out awards. Like, let's Where's say... That? Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah, go, go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when is that just trying to work on the taboo of 
recommending yourself as mm-hmm. well as like your directly uh, related friends and stuff like that. So belt lines or, or fighting companies and stuff like that. So I think that also can play into it um, is make sure you're recommending your friends and also those who are not as close to you. If you see somebody who is not in affiliation with you in any way, shape or form, make sure you're putting those in too, because I think overall, if you're doing everybody, your recommendations may be taken more seriously and things like that as well. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I think Polaris is also working on that. The self-advocacy thing. Um, mm-hmm. If you do something, make sure people know about it. Like, uh, I am not afraid to ask why I didn't get an award instead of like, I would like X award, please give it to me. I'd rather ask, Hey, I feel like I was around this area. This is what I didn't, this is why I think I should be in this area. Is there a reason that I missed that mark? Whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, we have to start being, we have to start valuing ourselves essentially is what that comes down to. Uh, and sometimes, especially in these uh, these events when we're doing battle game night we're starting to get different things happening sometimes you and two other people might be the only people that know what you did um because everyone else was either dead or turned away or whatever so making sure people know what happened and maybe if it is two other people just be like hey i'm gonna go tell the monarch that i thought my play was really cool if you guys agree please go do that as well mm-hmm. um we've got to advocate for ourselves because the yeah Especially once we start to get a bigger... I mean, right now we're talking about, like, barony and shire size. That's not terribly large, but we start moving into duchy, grand duchy, kingdom-level, inter-kingdom-level battle games. There are hundreds of people on the field. There is no way everyone's going to see everything. Like... No, not at all. We'd have a hundred... We'd have an army of reeves to watch the two smaller armies than the army of reeves in order for that to work. (laughs) Which is never going to happen. Again, this is why I think that Champion and Reeves have a large role to play here. Um, because they, I mean, you're, you definitely want to bother your monarch as much as you can for recommendations and stuff, right? But mm-hmm. at the same time, trying to establish a, a system that brings everything to the monarch so that you, they don't have a line of 100 people standing in front of them after yeah. the battle game is uh, probably a good idea as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that example I used for, for Merrick, like holding down a side, awing a whole group out, stuff like that. Um, like you said, if you don't know what award level somebody's at you can just say that and then you know the monarch can look and be like oh merrick's only at three orders of this yeah that's worth a fourth right or you know let's say merrick's at a seventh and it's like well we're looking for more continued efforts Mm -hmm. and let's say you recently just got your seventh and you know this is the first event since you got it and hey you're you're showing some consistency already but now you want to see it a little bit more and more Mm -hmm. but at least then that monarch knows you're already on your way up to you're you're still progressing um we, we can't hand out any 7.25 or 7.5 awards, <laughs> but, you know, they're still going to show, you know, it's still showing that you're progressing in that regard, which, you know, that's a good thing to, to have. And you made me just think of a whole other idea, at least for Kingdom of Battle Games, with the whole 100 people can't see everything. Um, True. Do you want to talk about it make, now? Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah. Uh, maybe make an OCRAT position that is... Call it something cool like the Watcher or Observer or something. Get like a one or two person team that will have very good video and record these battle games so you have at least two different angles or two different areas being watched. And then, you know, you post into the Kingdom page, everybody can view it, and you see cool stuff, you call it out. And say, would, hey, this is a cool play. 
I would love to be able to include like, hey, somebody that has a video camera, here's a hundred bucks, just video as much or take as many photos as possible, whatever. Just do it. Like, that's not that much money. That's also not that much money for their time. Like considering professional photographers charge a lot of money for their time. And they should because it's, it's very hard. Um, yep. But like, I would love to be able to hand that out and just be like, hey, take photos, take video. Like, uh, well, I mean, Hogman, if you're listening to this, I will pay you like $200 to just come up and videotape on a whole event. Like, please. <laughs> that would be awesome. Anyone can do it, though. Like, it, yes. does, it doesn't have to be this thing, right? Like, we all have a phone just about, right? So, like, everyone can take video of something uh, who's watching, yeah. you mm-hmm. know? Um, so, these things are, are more accessible than I think people realize. Yes. Um, taking the video is going to make... Uh, it's going to make situations like what uh, Magnus talked about earlier with Vitalin. Those are going to become very obvious to us when we witness like, oh, Charlie ran past with the flag. Oh, Vitalin just took on nine guys. He didn't win, but he stopped nine guys from going after Charlie. That's that's there we go. Um, we'll see that continuation. Um, I think what we also can do. Sorry, I'm trying to mute someone real quick. There we go. Um, I lost my train of thought. Oh, okay. So if we've got, we've we've kind of talked about this on a barony shire level, um, where it's it's a lot of if you see something, say something. The the champion and the reeves are going to be important. Once we start bumping up into duchy, and duchy means different things in different kingdoms, um, depending where you're from, it's between thirty to fifty, upwards of sixty required people for a duchy. Um, that's a big battlefield. S- see something, say something. I think is going to carry over a lot. Um, Absolutely. But it's. I think we also have to try. I think the Reeves are just going to become more important. Like, well, your team too, right? Like mm-hmm. at this point, you're looking at having the possibility of putting several groups, uh, se- several small groups, out and having like quote unquote one leader who's like organizing the groups and stuff like that and trying to get information between them. So we're starting to see the the larger group aspect of the uh battlefield commander position that's mm-hmm. on the award too on this point. So um again like this is going to come down to I think objectives, how it's based on it and things like this. But I don't want to really harp too much on purely objective based games because there are quest type games and stuff like that that happen and I don't know the true answer to this because I think there's going to be some debate about it. Um, but I feel like those are, are still going to be something we should take into consideration. So like if you're doing a quest and you've got a guy who's uh, organizing two different groups of like five people to get this objective in a quest, like a puzzle done or something like that, that's still commanding people in some form or fashion. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's something to maybe push onto consistency Um but maybe not necessarily like advanced battle game skills, but I'm definitely open for that conversation to be a thing as well. You know? Right. Well, I mean, I, okay. So I think in quests there is, depending how they're written, there are opportunities for advanced level battle games tactics. They're very hard to come by unless you specifically build towards it. I almost think the planning of the, like of who, of your, team your spell list and everything like that is a 
better indicator than what you do in the dungeon almost because uh it certainly can't be that's for sure yeah come like preparing for the dungeon like if you um like magnus ran dungeon day oh god what was it 2017 2017 or 2018 one of the two um he ran a harry potter one that had a completely different magic system we had to pick and choose spell lists and be very different um there's no class sashes yeah if you didn't prep for that dungeon you were going in terrible like you were you were walking in blind with a stick and hoping that you had uh purchased the right stuff potentially which <laughs> disclaimer I, I handed out that list for people i had give for like months ahead of time oh yeah yeah no, no. there were <laughs> there were like three or four times uh there was one day at frostlands and one day at cc that we were allowed to test lists within class games or uh, within class games at that park so there was not this was not like a you're walking in blind thing this was a we're preparing you. You have the opportunity. If you missed all of that and didn't pay attention to it, I'm pretty sure you still had all of that information available at Dungeon Day, so you could write up a list right then and there and have it have it ready to go. Um, but I think that speaks to the preparation of a higher level battle master or battle uh, level order of battle than what you will see live in the dungeon almost. Yeah. Um, Except for the the final fight was like a no holds barred like team got to yeah the the team of the the final people to fight also had a a you know a, a point by system that they were working with to make their own list and it mm -hmm. was a team of people all working together to make sure that they had everything and then the uh, the leads uh, whether it was the minister of magic that was a uh, cads or the uh, or Voldemort who was. Uh, uh, Hajj, mm -hmm. uh, they they got some extra points. They got I think it was like thirty six or thirty eight points out of the build. They they got more points than other people did, so they're even stronger. It essentially turned the last like big boss fight into a PvP fight because you were facing player level characters of similar or higher skill level. I mean, Hajj and Cads are both uh, Paragon wizards, and they're very good at what they do. So. That level of fight was interesting, and I think if you build the dungeon correctly, you can argue for, I'd say, up to six, maybe sevens. But sevens require consistency, if I remember correctly. Um, I think it would determine what, how many orders you are going in as well. True. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think I think the quests, the, the quest-like events, or, or quest-like battle games, and quests themselves could lead towards... Uh, a potential higher order we're just gonna have to build around that how do we build how do you guys think we should build dungeons that are viable to hand out those kind of awards so uh for, for me on that for dungeons specifically uh the player's dungeon day is usually a combination of role play puzzles and battling yes um so it's going to be a very difficult thing to do in some of those situations because role play is not part of this award. Role play is a performance, and you should be rewarded dragons accordingly for high role play performance. Uh, puzzles is uh, you don't really have a thing for solving puzzles. Um, can't role play your way through a puzzle. You can't fight your way through a puzzle. You gotta sleuth your way through a puzzle. Uh, but for the battle portions of it, a, a cool thing that you can do with that is. Uh, Make sure that you have a, 
a hard scenario for players and, uh, you know, fight at that accordingly. Uh, one way that you can do that is have a, uh, <clears throat> a high skill cap team or a team that has a little bit more advantage in their area. And, uh, you know, as, as a, uh, as one of the guides, you can kind of come up ahead of time and let them know what team they're fighting. And, uh, if they're all higher level fighters, they should be able to gauge accordingly. Mm -hmm. um, so if you have a, a lot of newer players, you can gauge that and they'll fight at a lower level. Um, the newer players are going to win. But they can still adequately show that they have those skills. Um, but if there's like a stacked team going in there, uh, that's like, yeah, we're here to power game, win, kill, 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 everything dies. All right, then that team should have enough skill, like enough of a skill on that side for like those encounters to be able to throw everything they've got at that team. Mm. And, you know, if, if they manage to beat that and there's a few battles like that throughout that, they have to get their way through. Eh, that might be a good way to show it as well. Um, I mean, on, on that one team at the final battle of Harry Potter, uh, I gave, uh, Luna a ridiculous ability, which was, uh, Unlimited elemental barrage. Didn't have to say anything. You just got spell balls and you threw it. You get to pick spell balls off the ground and still throw it. You you just keep hucking things at people repeatedly until they're either dead or or you're dead. And that's all you gotta do. And you, you say the name of the spell and just keep hucking. And uh it was pretty effective. Um Yeah. It was, it was a crazy boss monster, and it was a boss monster that was pretty much an elemental barrage wizard. That was at even a slightly higher, higher skill because you can pick things off the ground and not lose the spell. You just keep going. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, I think that battle for some of those higher end teams at the fight at the finale was a difficult fight, a, a hard fought fight, even. And I could see that going as well. So the the TLDR: make sure that your your players in those combat encounters are skilled enough to be able to uh, allow those other players to shine through. Um, by both teams giving it their all. And also being able to bring their skill down enough that those up-and-coming players can still shine as well and perhaps show some abilities during their next level. Yeah. I know... Uh, crap. When Broton ran the WoW reign, and we all, each king or each park had to run their own dungeon, I had... Oh, that was fun. I believe it was you, Vitalin, and it might have been Cairo. It was a t it, the last battle for a park level was like three paragons ready to wreck your face. Um, and I know that all of the guides that went through that when they came in, they had assigned each team going through a difficulty level of one to three. Three was go all out. Mm -hmm. Two was they're okay. One is these are babies. Please don't hurt them. Um, yep. That seemed to go really well. I think I think that's an easy thing that we can integrate. Um, I think at kingdom level, you're probably going to have to have a much larger system than just like great, bad, whatever. You'll you'll figure it out. Um, do okay. So this this enters a little bit of a conundrum for me. If you are picking better battle gamers, are we then? kind of asking those better battle gamers to take the opportunity of them potentially getting an award uh, and replacing it with a dragon for role-playing or a rose for volunteering with that event when they could be getting a battle master. 
Does I mean, technically, technically, yes. Okay. You, you are, and you are right on that. Um, just to, to most degrees, because, I mean, they can be pulling off, you know, expert-level plays the whole entire time, and, you know, maybe even beating down some players that uh, uh, are at lower skill. You know, there might be a skill gap between that. Mm. And now you're making a dungeon that might be too difficult. Uh, so, you know, they have to kind of tone it down a bit. But it, it, it is one event. I know that, you know, we don't have that many events. I mean, most kingdoms hold four events a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is asking a lot out of that player. Uh, but that could be something, you know, seen as being recognized as you start reaching that masterhood level and masterhood into even knighthood beyond because you're providing service, you're volunteering, and you're doing things to help grow and give back to your community as well. So I don't see it as a negative either. Mm-hmm. I'd say it's more of a neutral. But yes, it would probably slow down your progression if your goal is to go from, you know, one to ten as fast as possible. Yeah, make that sprint. What's your opinion, Stefan? I don't like trying to handcuff game design too much. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, that being said, I think looking at, again, there are are points. I don't remember the exact ones. I may need to look them up. But it's like leading small teams and leading larger teams, stuff like that, that is part of the Battlemaster thing. And I think that like a um, escape room type dungeon part of it could be seen as a way to effectively lead a team um, through an encounter that is a non-combat aspect of it, but it's still a battle game, sort of, because it's a quest. This is where things kind of blur the lines mm-hmm. um, as possibilities to show thing, showcase things, um, especially if they end up using any kind of class skill creatively, creatively mm-hmm. to solve these dungeons and things like that. I think that's something to look at at individual prowess to some degree as well because of the creative use of skills of abilities and things. Um, I do like the formula that you have because you try to get everybody's um, interest uh, peaked by doing the kind of puzzle, the role play aspect, and then a, a true battle part in the dungeon. I think these are like good generic design points for a dungeon. Mm-hmm. Um, and the battle part of it definitely provides uh, room for these awards. Um, but again, I think this is where I kind of get stuck on like how many people are in the dungeon, what's going on, and things like this. And I, I just keep coming back to like Champion and Reeves and those positions and their recommendations going to Monarch these things um because what what it comes down to to some degree right like is we have this battle and we don't want to take away design space or participation space for those who are not going for this thing but we still want to provide a space for everyone to push for this award as well Mm -hmm. um and like you were saying with the dungeon for for uh, your high-level volunteers, 100% behind um, service to the game kind of aspect to it. But at the same rate, that's just one dungeon for the day. Mm-hmm. Like they have potentially opportunities to multiple other battle games. I don't know how you guys or events are are structured in that aspect. So there, yeah. there's pot- usually for us for Winter's Edge, there's like a quest that's 
um, an hour ish or something, and then another battle game that or two that takes slots up so that you, yeah, you miss one, but you still have two other opportunities later in the day mm-hmm. um, to showcase. Um, so there's definitely just like an amp guard in general, there's a push and pull to, to yeah. everything. I know uh, for our dungeon day, I don't think that would entirely work. It's it's in the winter. Uh, it's in February, and it's mm-hmm. an indoor location with a lot of setup and a lot of takedown. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually, to push all the teams through, because we have a, we usually have a ton of teams. Like what, like at least fourteen or fifteen? Usually, I think. I think. It's a, it's a lot. I want to say our highest was like eighteen teams. Yeah, and uh, each team usually takes. And your routine, like, 45 minutes to an hour to go in. But you also have more than, you know, just one team going in at a time. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you, they get they go ahead a couple of rooms and another team goes in. Keep on going that way. Um, it sounds like it's structured kind of like True Dungeon. Or yeah. yeah. So the last and, two years... Uh, wait, the last two years? The last year we ran last... it. I know that when I was Questocrat, which was the last time we ran it before COVID, uh, it was True Dungeon style of you have X amount of minutes in this room, then you have to move on to the next room and then the next room and the next room. And it did make it really easy for uh, our fighters because they had a, a fight, a 10 minute break, a fight, a 10 minute break, made it easy. Um, uh, it also allowed us to use the same NPC for two rooms because they could kind of follow them and go with things. So that, that toned down, but it also let us get the most amount of teams through in the shortest period of time, which was, uh, not all day, which was amazing because I don't think like yeah. prior to that we were like, "Hey guys, court starts in five minutes, and we have three teams left." Hmm. How do we? Fix yeah. This? <laughs> I think uh, it would be very impressive if we got all the teams through a dungeon day, had enough time to take down and get a battle game in. Not saying it's impossible, but yeah. man, I would be surprised. Some of the dungeons take oh. a lot of setup, but that, that's that's part of Polaris's yeah. culture of dungeon days that we're like, we have all of the props we want. Every we had a full blown wrestling ring in uh the last dungeon I ran. Um, there was, was awesome. there was a working dungeon door with people behind, like the the cage came up and down. Um, there, what else was really uh interesting? In There's the a lot of props. We had a lot of puzzles. <laughs> we had a bunch of props. Um, there was a bunch of stuff. It was actually one of the oh, I can't reach it. There's a there's a Cthulhu puzzle we had as well. But like the just like the crafters getting to create the puzzles and the sets and the the props and everything like that they have an opportunity to get owls or dragons or whatever um i think we should be looking at some of the battles to actually be potential options for uh battle master or, or um knights of battle the uh, orders of battle there we go orders of battle there you go <laughs> they'd be for orders of battle like if they're if it's kind of almost a pvp fight or is literally a PvP fight if you want to put that in your dungeon. Those are those are opportunities to show small game tact, small team tactics, um, uh, confined space fighting, which is super tactically annoying and problematic. If you if you haven't fought in a small space oh, yeah. before, I recommend doing Especially it. Especially if you have a bow. Oh my god! <laughs> yes. Half of the game is figuring out what you can like not bring to the dungeon and what you can bring to the dungeon. Because if you bring an eight foot pole arm <laughs> in a dungeon with six foot walls, you are not going to have a good time. <laughs> um, but that's another part of the the like planning over execution and and on field yeah. uh, abilities. So one thing, oh, yeah, sorry. yeah, good. Oh, one thing that was brought up uh, 
uh, that Teflon brought up was uh, using abilities within the dungeon to try to solve a few things as mm -hmm. well. Um, and this just kind of reminded me that uh, I think one of the least used things in our rulebook is page 28. Oh, quest abilities? The, the old, yeah. We, we run all these dungeons and quests, but I don't think, at least I can say, I don't think Dungeon Day has really utilized those. Uh, Man, I literally could go on for a whole episode for those things. <laughs> like, oh, legitimately. They're your, great! Please use them. use them! No, we don't, but I've okay. had, like, many, like, theoried crafted things about how are we, how to use all of these things, but that's for yeah. a different a different thing. <laughs> I would love to hear it, because I, I want to see those get involved more into things like dungeons or even, like, world quests. Yes. Stuff like that. I think it'd be great. Yes. I will stick around and talk to you. If <laughs> <laughs> on the path after dark 45 hours later yeah <laughs> um so the the in the experience i had with those was i allowed them in the dungeon i ran for ice haven um the the kingdom dungeon that was each park had to run um and only one team used them i'm not sure if it was i didn't publish it enough or people just aren't aware of what they do, so they just thought, like, screw it, I'll go on without it. Um, but only one team used any of those abilities. And uh, I will state, if you're not preparing for those abilities to be in your game, they could mess with you a bit. Because, like, Speak With Dead, um, what's, there's a preparation one, which lets you bring, like, potions or recharge something. Um Crap, there's some other yeah, ones. Yeah, I can't remember them off the top of they're, my head. They're really good in specific situations, and if you're not prepared for them, they could be a problem. But please yeah. use them. They're in our book. Yes. Somebody <laughs> wrote them. Use them. Um, <laughs> okay, so moving off quests, if we're looking at uh, Duchy and... We'll, we'll stick to Duchy and Grand Duchy. So we're looking at like mm, 35 five to eight uh, 80 people i think is the whole radius for grand for duchy to grand duchy um are there any are there any concerns or uh things that the specifically the champions should be looking for or trying to do to make this environment uh viable for lower level fighters because on a higher level, can a Grand Duchy award? It depends on your usually. kingdom. Uh, I can, yeah, I can, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, yeah. I know in some kingdoms, duchies can award up to seven, uh, and others, duchies can award up to eight. But I don't know, like for Grand Duchy and Principality, if it's something that I think can award up that. to ten, and then it's with like a monarch approval, or it depends on the kingdom. Um... I think there's even duchies that are only allowed up to six, but I'm there are. There's like three, I think. I don't know where it went. I had one, and now I don't know where it went. I found it. Okay, I went and read uh, 2019 Kapora's to make a chart. Uh, I'll link it at some point, but uh, most duchies are eight some of them are six some of them are sevens grand duchies are eights nines there's a 10 for golden plains last time i checked and eights so we're looking at between six and i guess to 10 technically um 
Yeah, we're going to be looking at Paragons for some of these. I think Paragon is specifically a kingdom level, though. Depends on your kingdom. Yeah. Is it? This yeah. Is no, I just want to make sure. Arkapora specifically says it is a kingdom level award. Uh, the book doesn't say it has to be kingdom level right now. Yeah. If that changes, yep. great. If it doesn't... Um, we almost defined it as a the first paragon you get with the order of battle is almost a duchy level award. I misspoke on the whack one uh, because at eight is where we first see paragon. Mm -hmm. It's also still duchy class gaming, but any of the others becomes kind of kingdom level because you can't get them in duchy anymore. But at the same time, maybe it's three duchy. I don't know. It's kind of blurred lines in a way. Right. This this was one of the questions that I had Denny, our senator at the time, ask at Gathering of Crowns, which was, does this proposal provide uh, the requirement that, uh, that Paragons become a kingdom level award? And the answer is no. Your kingdom can still decide how Paragons are handed out. Um, Polaris has yeah, already I made the decision. I remember answering that now. Yeah, Polaris has already <laughs> made the decision uh, a while ago, like a couple of years. That uh, Paragons should be kingdom level because we are super competitive when it comes to battle games. Um, it's We're real competitive up here. But not every kingdom has that. And I don't... I, I am not 100% sold on every kingdom should have that. Because after looking at maps and realizing that like Nine Blades and Viridian Outlands are like huge for... <laughs> there's nobody in between like there's four hours between two closest parks that is wild to me um i'm not sure if i want to require that uh someone travel 16 hours to go to their kingdom event yeah. to prove that they are a paragon when they oh and cross like national borders that's oh that's asking a lot honestly <laughs> um like get your passport in order you know there's a lot but I, I do think there is a certain level, and I think that we're going to see it more as a standard. Uh, there's a certain level of skill that is required to be a paragon in our game. And I think we're going to see that standard become more obvious and more defined because of this proposal and the, this, this knighthood. It's not a proposal anymore. It happened. Um, right. The... As we're speaking, by the way, the the decision to make Battle Knight a Sword Knight, uh, I believe, was supposed to happen. I'm not getting any updates on it, so I don't know if that happened or what happened with it. But if this comes out and it's all of a sudden under Sword, great. If this comes out and it's still its own thing, great. I'm not going to update yeah, what's going on. <laughs> it doesn't change anything what we're talking about exactly. no so if it's a silver trim or blue trim you're going for great we're talking about how champions and everybody else can can help make this path get better um, admittedly i kind of hope if you get battle master blue trim would still be an option but i like the blue trim i i mean i paragon bard first so i do like the blue <laughs> okay so blue on white looks cool that's all it does it does look good so if we if we're looking at Duchy to Grand Duchy level. We're talking between... I'm going to pull up my freaking thingy. Uh, 
between 30 and 60 people on the battlefield is the difference. Well, CK actually requires 75 for a Grand Duchy. So between 30 and 75 people on a regular basis is your park. Um, I would say not all of them are taking the field because that's super rare, but you're still looking at a potential of a 15 v 15 upwards of 30 v 30. Um, what big games? Yeah, those are big games. Yeah. Uh, what are our champions going to have to start doing to compensate for allowing more people to shine during these battle games? Is it just multiple objections or, or ob ob multiple objectives? I can speak. Um, or is there something else we're going to have to be looking for? Yeah. Um, so I think multiple objectives, like in the earlier ones, like games that were like moving the heavy object or, you know, one or two point kind of king of the hill kind of ones would suffice. I think as you get to those games, you'll need more objectives mm -hmm. uh, as well or more, you know, maybe slightly more advanced battle games. Like you could still maybe have a very heavy object style game, but your team is also fighting for different spawn points on the map. And you have to hold it for a period of time before your team can spawn there. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, things like that. Um, or, you know, spawn 20 feet away from the point. So, you know, you don't, you're just pop spawning on people that are trying to cap it. Mm -hmm. uh, stuff like that. Um, I think you'd see more of those. You could still, for some battle games, I'd still suggest running just two teams. Because that'll allow people to start, you know... Uh, leading large unit teams mm -hmm. uh leading like those big teams especially if they're in those higher ranks uh, another thing that you can do is to still show small tactics for that is to run battle games that have three teams four teams five teams depending on how big it is um if you have 60 people on a park day i could easily see like a six team like you know you have six 10 man teams out there if you have 60 people that um, is so many people for a park day yeah. yeah, but just can, can you imagine that though? Like that many teams, all with like objectives and and stuff like that. It um, would feel like a kingdom event. Yeah, like a small kingdom I event, mean, but like a kingdom event. I mean, I mean, speaking of which, though, I mean, we had uh, 191 people at GAC, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, for for that first battle game, we had five teams, and I think each team had like 12 or 13 people on it to begin with. True. And, you know, that was a battle game that had multiple objectives. There mm -hmm. were multiple flags that you could go and capture. You still had to actively be defending your flag, and you'd be gathering points. And it even when you captured the point, it didn't disrupt the play of the game or, you know, disrupt other people because a, a Reeve would grab it and run it back and reset the flag mm -hmm. and record that you scored a point. Um, so games similar to that is actually a pretty good example of what you could probably do to still show prowess on that field in, in multiple ways. You'd do a variety of different games to allow people that are going different paths to kind of shine. Mm -hmm. Teflon, what's your thoughts on this? I don't think it necessarily, if you're, it depends on how it's designed for, but the big thing becomes how many lines of engagement can you produce in this area or this game? Mm -hmm. um, because the multiple, multiple lines of engagement, which is typically like multiple nodes or captures or something like that, or multiple objectives allow uh, teams to kind of break up and you see uh, smaller teamwork uh, like you were talking about. But 
I'm not sure that it's necessary to actually have multiple objectives um, because somebody more clever than I am may come up with a way to do it. Um, perhaps it's like an island where the single flag objective is, but there's multiple ways to get in and you have to go out a certain way or something along those lines where it would still be one objective, but now you've drawn multiple engagement lines. Um, so you have uh, to defend or attack multiple lanes to be able to, to break. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's really the thinking that's going to have to go forward on a design perspective on the kingdom level or in multi- not necessarily kingdom, I guess, because we're talking about duchy and everything, but large games, I guess. Mm. Um, again, like I, I'm very much against trying to handcuff game design because I want yeah. them to be able to create cool things. And I don't want them to be, and this is actually one of the fear of a few people on Windows Edge for the Battle Master thing uh, was that we would see more boring games and it'd be just more capture the flag or more um, right. node capture that it's not dressed up. There's not very much extra stuff involved in, in kind of taking the quote unquote soul out of the game or something along those lines. Right. Yeah. Um, so this is why I'm against handcuffing things, which brings again, just back to Reeves and champions and things where they have to watch some of these plays, because I don't know that the answer is to have every game be available to hit these awards right similar mm-hmm. to the tournaments um i guess in previous because the update kind of made it to where this is a little less of a problem mm. um but i don't know like this is where like the big meat of it becomes the the possible actual actualization where the the fear that battle master may negatively affect the game uh to some degree right um, I, I think we're looking at we're looking at a potential either stalling or opportunity, and it depends on how mm-hmm. your smiths look at it. Because if your smiths go, well, I just need to figure out how to make games that I can run on a regular basis that everyone knows so that these battle masters can show off, or I need to come up with a better way or a more fun or more complicated game that is still very playable for everyone so that these battle masters can show off. Um, I'm really hoping that a lot of our master smiths um, and and upcoming smiths are looking at this as a giant opportunity to make these battle games that they've been like thinking about, but never really had the opportunity to run because it might be too competitive or it's too complex. Um, and at these park days, at the bigger park days, you can try these things to make it more interesting, more uh varied so that we aren't losing the soul of our game we are playing with either multiple flags or we're switching up a classic game we're making something different we're making it interesting because that is ultimately the goal of every smith is to figure out how to make a game that is fun and functional consistently which by the way is super hard game designers get paid a crap ton of money to do it absolutely (laughs) game designers get paid a ton of money and our game designers go i get a piece of paper and a nice smile let's go um, so <laughs> you should thank your Smiths every time they come up with a game that you like and tell them that you like it because otherwise, uh, they won't get the feedback. So tell them that. Well, we have also opened up another game design space, uh, for the competitive games because we have now the class tournaments kind of defined in the yes. battle master as well. So while we have relied on Phoenix league, cause it's the best 
design that we have so far that's not the end all be all for tournaments seems mm-hmm. like we can do something along the lines of four horsemen style tournaments or something even class based uh, we can like the spawn mechanic is my favorite thing that came out of phoenix league like oh, that how bench you, mechanic bench is great that yeah it's so good so looking at different spawn mechanics and smaller level games that are hyper competitive gives another outlet for battle masters to shine on kind of the paragon personal prowess aspect mm-hmm. of it uh, Regan had came up with a one v one spellcaster thing. Um, granted, it's it's limited because it's spellcasters only, but like that's another odd divi- design space that people could be taking up mm-hmm. somehow or another, deriving a one v one class game thing with interaction uh, in the props or terrain or something that kind of helps even playing fields. This is like a really uncharted territory that I think our smiths can can work with to help showcase battle masters as well as make different games um, that are, are new and fun that haven't been played before. Yeah. I I think we are looking at, uh, I'm really hoping we are looking at a potential burst growth of different styles of battle games that we're all going to, yeah, more innovation, more, more challenges, um, different mindsets, different tactics. Like today uh, at, et there was only six of us that took the field as uh class players um seven if when the champion was filling in for something or whatever but there was we had a 3v3 game where uh capturing the point was literally charging the point you had to cast the charge in can't times three to capture the point and that's a super simple change but we could affect it with song of power we couldn't affect it with like confidence or anything because it's not a viable target but you could figuring out how to like use the bards to help compensate things and balancing the difference between a uh the bards being offensive or defensive to try to capture those points it was a very simple change very simple game but it was wildly interesting to see how we decided to do things and i think large-scale games we can we're gonna hopefully see these modifications of just like we're doing capture the flag there's only one flag and a specific person. I mean, that turns into Stratego, but it's like the the same kind of thing. Yeah. We can pull from these classic games and figure out ways to make amazing games. And I'm really hoping well, that this like this is a burst. It's uh, it was posted. I don't know. I feel like it was like two, three years ago now, but um, I think it was Killer Queen is the game. Uh, oh that it yeah, was yeah, based on. And that was really interesting. Like their post was way better than one I actually did. Um, Cause I ran mine just on a, a jugging field basically because we didn't have that many people playing, but mm. um, you know, where you had three ways to win. So there was only really one objective to win, but there was three objectives that you were vying for, you know, these are different design structures that we typically don't see mm-hmm. uh, in game. At least I don't see as often in games right now. So that's, you know, that's another design space that, while again, it's multiple objectives, but it's only one objective to win, which causes your uh, lines of engagement to be really interesting or potentially interesting. Mm-hmm. So these, these, uh, I mean, I'm going to keep a close eye on duchy, uh, duchy level champion champions for a while. Cause they are, and not just champions, anybody that runs games at any any duchy level, any larger park, because this is their opportunity to really show off some of their abilities um, and their game writing skills before we go to a kingdom level event. Because kingdom level events, Polaris has 
four big events technically um with some like extras on the side what is what does uh winter's edge have uh four main you know mid-range coronation like most people mm. um and then our quals was quashed so we don't have the traditional tournament so that's kind of a design space that's opened up uh for uh, autocrat kind of positions as well mm. So for I think for the most part the four the four standard events is gonna what our our spaces are traditionally for kingdom level, but now that this uh, competitive award this award that kind of relies on the fact that we have good game designers, um, is out there and is it is very aggressive. People want this award. I'm not saying it's aggressive in the idea of like tact, but people want this award. Um, we're, I think we're going to see better battle games on a consistent level. And the internet is amazing. COVID was terrible, but it did do an amazing job of making sure all the kingdoms know about all the other kingdoms. So, like, if you come up with a battle game, post that thing. So other people can try it, they can play it, they can give you critiques. It's a small, simple battle game that gets posted can turn into, uh, the, the, I mean, Phoenix League, literally, is basically what we'd be looking at. You got a good design, you spread it, some people like it, you start talking with more people, they start liking it. You you run into the the thing that Woonjo started. Woonjo and his, I can't remember who else created Phoenix League. Two people created Phoenix League and now everybody knows about Phoenix League all over. You could do that as well. Um the other thing I want to hit on is when we start getting into it's kind of a problem at Barony. I'm not sure if it's as much, but do we have to, as champions or game runners, identify competitive games so that like games that are viable for better levels, or are we are we uh, gonna kind of just let people run crazy? Teflon and I talked about this a little bit before the show, um, so I'm gonna have him start on this. Sure, um, I I have as the battle master knighthood got passed it, and all of the uh, this is going to create a toxic atmosphere. It's going to be very competitive. Not everyone wants to play a competitive game. They want to play to have fun and things like this came up. Um, my knee-jerk reaction was kind of like a chill and no-chill aspect to battle games. So it would be denoted ahead of time what battle games are here to really show off or what battle games are here to have fun and things like that. And I don't know if I truly stand behind that still, but it is definitely an approach that could work. Um, I mean, this is kind of the real hard thing with the Battlemaster, because I don't want to take anyone's fun away in any way. And I think Jamie said it kind of interestingly that like once you get to a good skill level, it's harder to have fun at a lower level in a way. Mm-hmm. And this is where we run into the problem on the Battlemaster side, because if you're truly trying to you know, push you push yourself through there's a point where local level may not be super fun because you're trying to to practice small levels of of your game to bring to kingdom and when you go to kingdom and there's only one battle game that you can uh compete in that becomes a problem as well Mm -hmm. which is you know hard to to quantify how much of a problem that's going to be right yeah um i don't know i don't know if i like the idea of dating some kingdom level battle games are going to be chill or not chill. I think the idea of a kingdom level battle game is you should be able to go 
uh, go kind all of out, all really. out. Yeah, you should be able to go all out, assuming you have the numbers. I mean, there are definitely <laughs> going to be kingdom events you show up to and you're like, this is barely bigger than my barony or duchy or whatever. That's going to happen. Right. Sometimes it happens. But if you're at a kingdom event that's like 100, 200, 3, I don't know how big some of these kingdom events are. I'm uh, Spring War is 400 to 500 people on a regular basis. Keep on the Borderlands last year was 600 people. Um, Castlemania was like 300. Uh, Rackus was like... Yeah, Castlemania has an actual <laughs> castle. If you are in near Texas, go to Castlemania. There's a legit Cinderblock castle. Like, or, or seriously, fly if you, if you want to yeah. experience it. Good it's, event. It's so. a good event. Um, Feast of Mars for California normally gets a decent chunk of people. Um, Rackus for Colorado normally gets a decent... I mean, it gets a pretty good 200, 300 people. There are going to be kingdom events that are going to be big. Uh, Banner Wars, too. It's yes, pretty big Banner one. Wars. Um, finding, finding those events are going to be, I think, important for our our upcoming battle masters. Uh, but on a regular, I don't want to say everyday kingdom level, but like a regular <laughs> kingdom level event, I don't know if I want to identify any of those battle games as as non competitive ones unless they're like early on thursday or friday or something so that it's yeah. a low amount of people it's not really a bit the time for you to stunt um i think that's something we should be aware of or or another good one is like uh keep this year for friday is just running pickup games mm-hmm. uh, pickup games that are full class but they're they're pickup games yeah i mean it's it's kind of in what it says there like i, I i'm playing duo to keep and i'm going to participate in the Hammer God Cup, but during that, and then hopefully Apple during, unless I get knocked out really early. Um, but uh, afterwards, if they're still running pickup games, I'll probably go there and like maybe just try out a new build or mm-hmm. you know, um, continue working on my my zero res healer build that I'm running because it's it's really fun. I love um, this idea. Uh, but but stuff like that, um, you know, maybe like look at who's also on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can usually look at a battlefield and see who is all on it, too. Um, at a kingdom level, though, I think uh, another big part of that is going to... Where you should be able to go all out is game balance. Uh, who's on the other side? Who's on your side? Hopefully, at a kingdom level, you have a a game designer, warocrat, Reeves, people who can kind of look at teams and gauge whether or not it's going to be a, uh, a balanced team. That is an acquired uh, skill. Yes, it very much is. Um, and at park level, it does kind of come down to sometimes if you are one of those higher skill players, you know, just reassuring like that that person at park, like, hey, we're not planning on like going all out. Um, a good example, I'll also use Jamie for that one, was that he was like, he was like, Micah and I sometimes don't get to play together because they think we're just going to wreck face. But really, all we're going to do is make up our own quest and screw around the entire battle game still fight here and there, but have a fun time that way and, you know, mm. develop their own fun that way, which I think that's what you have to do if you're at a high level, but that can be one thing to also, like, you know, help out at a park level to build people up and, you know, still have a fun time at park. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like I said, let your uh, your game designer and the person at your park that day know, like, hey, I'm not, I'm not here to go busting through. I'm here to chill, have fun, and just make it known, like be vocal about it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think this is also like 
potentially a kingdom to kingdom issue because there there may be kingdoms that because you guys are highly competitive in your battle games um whereas i would rate probably just from because i haven't traveled in v8 very often um but just a generic idea based on what i've read comments and stuff like that from other kingdoms i would rate uh, winter's edge in like the b minus range where you guys are like in the a plus range for where your competitiveness and how like your metas and stuff have evolved um go so maybe it's a cultural thing so that you know each kingdom needs to kind of examine where they're at mm-hmm. on how they want to approach the kind of chilled and no chill like some other kind of aspect on it and like hey we're not going all out for these types of games but for these types of games these are all out kind of deal or something i'm not like i don't have the answer for this one because i feel like this is very much a cultural answer answer inside right. a kingdom yeah I, I i think a lot of as we get higher we're not going to be able to give like possible solutions we're going to give just ideas mm-hmm. and it's going to have to be a case-by-case scenario for each kingdom each park to figure out yeah what they're doing how they're going to run this thing i mean like uh ethereal tides on a regular basis has two to three paragons on the battlefield great if we have the green harbor boys um uh i'm gonna call them kids because i like that name but the green harbor kids (laughs) they're all older than me by the way they're all older than me i just call them the green harbor kids because i like that the uh (laughs) if they show up they have four more paragons so like the et park goes from uh three or four paragons to seven to ten paragons and if we have more people showing up we like we can we can end up with having 50 percent of our players being paragons and we're going to be super competitive and try to run each other over constantly trying to show off um when that's those scenarios are coming up uh team balance is important being aware of who you are casting or fighting against, I think is going to be super important on from an individual level, but from a game runner perspective, making sure people are aware of who's new kind of, or who's not warlord level stick or paragon level casting, whatever the, that balance is going to come into effect every single time. Um, I don't have a good way to train balance. Like, I've thought a couple ways. I've I've run a couple ideas by some people, and they just don't seem to stick. It, it's a really hard skill to learn. Um, figuring out how to look at a team and analyze th- each member's potential skill is very tricky. It's easier to do on like a whole scale because you can kind of do some basic judgments like how much armor do they have how many casters do they have are they mostly offensive do they have pole arms some stuff like that is kind of basic but like breaking down how to make it balanced is just going to take time and you're going to have to you're going to struggle through it for a bit um we're going to open up discussion after we're a little bit um and maybe some of the people in the audience might have a better idea i know we've got uh, a master smith in there as well so there there might be some options from my perspective i've only i mean i'm only five or six years in the game it's hard to balance teams without just learning it i don't know yeah, Do you guys have any points on that oh no i i agree 100 percent. like i'd say that i'm also a bit up there in balancing teams so i i still think there's room for growth balancing mm-hmm. teams i've been trying to balance teams since like I'd say like 2009 because I mean, <laughs> 07 and 08 was like when I first joined and I was just 
<laughs> go, 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 play, 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 and then, mm-hmm. you know. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficulty. Like, it is a tough thing to do, but mm-hmm. I think the more you know about the game, especially the version of the game and how all the classes interact, and really being somebody who just knows your rulebook, um, or, you know, you can ask a player because you might think you have a balanced game, but, you know, if you look at me and I'm like, all right, well, Magnus is playing a healer and Merrick is playing a healer and there's you know, another healer as well. All right, well, that's what Magnus on this team, Merrick and the other healer on the other team. Well, congrats, you just handed the team with no resins, mm-hmm. as an example. Um, you know, that's a little bit of an outlier, but just things like that of maybe even knowing the spell list that people have or at least ask what archetype they're running. Yeah. Um, or ask like stuff like that, and that would help you balance teams even better. Um, yeah, that's what I've kind of learned in V8. Teflon, I mean, yeah, it's kind of a gut feeling on <laughs> on how you balance teams, at least how I have. Um, and I'm not going to say that I do super well. I think I do okay. Um, but it's like you said, the kind of generic thing. Like, uh, all right, well, this guy's a Right, and so is this other guy putting these dudes up play a good idea, um, and things like that. Like most of the the general concepts should be pretty obvious, you know, like trying to get equal ish armor, um, trying to get equal ish casters and things like that. But mm-hmm. it's so hard because like you were saying, if you're running the zero res uh, build versus someone who's a red res bot and it's some kind of shatter battle, then that's not an equal trade in mm-hmm. any way. So um, I have to steal life a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it, it's it's pretty rough. Like it really, really is. And you you almost have to rely on upper end players to self balance to some degree. And that's where we run into problems with the new belt coming out, right? So yeah. it's really it's an interesting thing that we're gonna have to move forward with. Yeah, I think this is where. We're going to see the interaction between the kingdom champion or the, the champions of the parks and those up and coming battle masters, the ones that are going for that. They're going to have to definitely start communicating better and being like, so I know my team has a big advantage and it is better for me to tell the champion that than to ignore it and just let my team crush because uh, it's hard. Okay, so. It's harder to find a shining star amongst a bunch of other shining stars than it is to see one all-star amongst a darker field. So if you make the teams more balanced, you should have more opportunities. Um, that's kind of the way I see that. It, it's, it's, yeah. it's a little off in, in certain scenarios, but it, for the most part, you're going to have a better opportunity to shine if you are on a balanced field. Um, because it's really hard to tell who's doing what when the entire team, the entire other team is dead and you guys are just walking the flag back. That's no fun. Nobody's getting points for that, really. Um, but that's, that's a, a cultural thing that we're going to have to work through. Um, do we have any more on like duchy, grand duchy size? We want to move on to kingdom size, uh, kind of battle game complexities. I'm going to take this we're moving on to Kingdom. Um, (laughs) So, when we move up to Kingdom, we hit the fun, 
variable of how many people are showing up to this event, what kind of event size we're looking at. Are we looking at kingdom, inner kingdom? Are we looking at, uh, is this a roleplay heavy event? Is this a heavy battle game event? Is this a theme? There's a lot of different, uh, they're not quite restrictions, but variables that you have to take into effect when you're building your battle games. Um, but we also now get to add in the idea of autocrats and uh, warocrats while they're designing events and spaces. Are and we've kind of talked about larger battle games and being creative and things like that, um, and touched on a little bit of the tournament. I think. I think we're going to have to start compensating for a class level tournament of some sort, once a reign potentially. Um, yeah. How that's going to be run, I think, is going to be interesting. Uh, I know up here we did a Phoenix League. We did a Phoenix League season with four or five teams, and during the championship for Polaris, which was Mame twenty nineteen. Yes, Mame twenty nineteen. Uh, we had three teams compete, and uh, our uh, Good Game Academy, which was like our best team it was all paragons and and good fighters and good tacticians uh crushed just one straight up i'm not sure if that kind of mentality is going to be well oh, how do you guys think that like are we going to want to see class level tournaments as small teams that are scheduled to work together or are we going to want to see how well people work together on kind of a random setup? Like the, we're going to start looking at how, like how do we make fair small team battle games with a limited population? Does that make sense? Yeah, I know. I hear you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a few different ways that you can attack this. Um, uh, one way that you can look at it is uh, this would be something that could happen once we, bring everybody up to par with who gets what order of battle. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this is kind of an idea that I had floating around, but I'm really fine sharing here, obviously. Um, so when, when the day begins, you see who's all playing the game, and it, and it would be a class battle gaming kind of tournament design layout. Um, and you can say it's going to be 10-man teams, 5-man teams. You can actually kind of decide right there at the tournament. Um, reason why you see how many people is going to enter and how many teams you want. If 20 people enter, well, then it'll very likely be teams of five, or otherwise it's just going to be a big old one-on-one. -on -one. Um, uh, you get 50 people, all right, maybe still run five teams, now 10. Or maybe you, you do run 10 teams, but you make it double elim. Mm -hmm. um, what you do is you, you number and bracket people, so you'd take maybe the the nine, ten, and masters put them in a group. Uh, this uh, eight, seven, six, and then five, four, three, two, one. Mm -hmm. uh, and what you do to make that team then is you pull a name from your nine, ten master. You pull a name from all those other groups, and that's your team. So it will be five people that you probably don't work with often, mm -hmm. or you know you might have one person that you work with often, or might not. Uh, but then it's up to you as a team to determine who's, what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, what roles do your team does your team like to fill, 
and actually create a five-man right there on the spot. Um, a good preparation for that would just be uh, be able to have a spell list ready for uh, any spellcasting classes that you're proficient in and you're mm-hmm. comfortable in, and different builds for them. And uh, you know, if you're comfortable playing armor, maybe you bring your armor along too, and uh, just be ready to fill what your team needs to fill. And that's what a successful team would do. You might have some teams where people are like, "No, I'm playing this," and well. That's up to the, the the rest of your team to determine yeah. that as well. Just that's just an idea I had floating around, which would be a way to still make a balanced team, but also have a random effect of you're gonna be playing with some people that you might not have played with. Um, right. Either way you look at it, I do see this eventually evolving to some kingdoms, if not most kingdoms, having at least one event or one day out of an event. Uh, kind of being dedicated to a battle gaming tournament of sorts, whether it be Phoenix League, whether it be a Bridge Wars style event, whether it be a uh, Banner Wars style event. Um, and you can maybe even run two or three fields at once too then and have yeah. reviews on each of those. If you've got smaller um, teams, you could run hopefully more at the same time. Yeah. So you're not taking up a whole day with like one match every hour yeah. or something like that. That takes forever. Yeah. Definitely shouldn't. So I think that would be a good way for kingdoms to uh, kind of bring in this class battle gaming tournament. Like I said, it doesn't have to be Phoenix League. It's it's the primary example. It's a very well-designed game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for those that might have a little bit more of a distaste toward Phoenix League, I'm not sure how Polaris as a whole really feels about it. But like you said, we had three teams at MAME 2019. Yeah, we... Uh, we... I mean, it's hard to see... I like the idea of the randomization teams, because that shows general tactician ability over yeah. like i have tactical ability with these three people or whatever um randomization while still keeping a relatively equal skill yes. as well uh i like that because it definitely turned people away from playing phoenix league when we had one all-star team that was i mean real hard to beat to i mean to be honest they were they took second on the the world championship uh for phoenix league uh, and they did well, like they did a good job there. It's hard to say, Hey, we're a big enough, bad enough kingdom to have two of those. That's, that's real hard. To, I mean, that's real hard for any kingdom to say, if you make an all-star team, it's an all-star team. Can't beat it. Uh, have you had any experiences of, I mean, you guys jug and do uh small team competitive a lot more than we do up here. Teflon. Yeah, so we actually did something, this was many years ago, we called it a non-relational jugging match, and we didn't do it in the skill aspect, but you could not be a member of the same park, household, or fighting company, or anything like that, Mm -hmm. uh, to the best of our ability, and split everybody up. And it was a giant mess of random amazingness (laughs) for that that day. Um, So we have done something similar sort of and i think it will lead to it and it, and and this conversation kind of touches on something we we talked slightly about um earlier on and and at what point do we say because i don't know fighting company culture up in players right around winter's edge it's more or less dead like we definitely have multiple fighting companies but they don't really we don't really provide games that they can compete as a company uh very often in uh, such as Phoenix League on a kingdom level or something like this, right? Mm-hmm. So um, at what point do we say a person leading a small group or a large group of a fighting company 
is on equivalent level to someone who's doing the same thing, but with random people. Um, Cause that's kind of important to some degree, right. On these mm-hmm. upper levels. Um, so, you know, using a company to kind of boost somebody to a higher award becomes, I guess, a possible negative to it, but I don't necessarily see it as um, that's just playing the game in my opinion, but I can see where people are trying to, could, could say that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really like your idea, Magnus, like a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, part of it is cause like, I, I remember that non-relational jugging day very fondly. Um, and part of it is just, I think it's a pretty, pretty well thought out idea on trying to create a, a good environment of competitiveness while not stacking decks or stuff like that. So I think that's really important as well. But at the same time, this is another design space that's opened up that maybe we bring back fighting company culture to some degree, and this allows Mm -hmm. them to uh, have a space to compete in against each other. But I think that's going to largely depend on your fighting company culture of your kingdom or what they want to try and foster. So, I know I'd be a merc like, for hire up here in Polaris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I think Rising Winds has the steel, which is like the captains of all the yep. uh, fighting companies for that. Iron Mountains also does. And so having a structure like that may allow for like a one-day event where maybe it's not the event that like the average Joe goes to as often, or maybe they go and they understand they be a part of a militia merc team or something like that, and then mm-hmm. go and compete and just have as much fun as they possibly can in a very competitive environment. Um, similar to some how some kingdoms do weapon masters or something, right? Where it's the whole day basically, and that's everyone knows. Have a day that of that games. Day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so again, uh, I just think that this adds more uh, to the game in general, but it does make the idea of detracting because now people are split between going to an event or making this tournament day or something like that potential. So mm-hmm. it is something I think we have to be careful about. Yeah. I, I almost want to just encourage kingdoms to make another event. Like we have weapon master, dragon master make team battle game day. I don't know. Something uh, that's, yeah. that's specifically for this hyper competitive environment at high levels because if we are wanting to try to avoid like the all outs like go all out at every kingdom event uh at every kingdom battle creating those spaces will definitely mitigate that uh probably a a very large amount i mean if you if you have a space that's like hey if you're going for eight nine ten uh without getting the paragons or even with getting the paragons and like you know tagging things in these are the events to go to we run two of them a year one of the moraine they're they're big they're they're heavy uh and they're going to test you to the best of your abilities go show off there and i think we're going to see kind of a similar effect of what we see at weapon master dragon master where we still get people that want to just fight but they're not they're not the top tier fighters we're expecting or or watching the competitiveness but we're going to see those we're going to see the paragons showing up we're going to see these top battle masters showing up we're going to show we're going to see these people taking those opportunities to really show what they've got against people of higher or equal calibers so that they can keep accelerating through this list um that is a lot to ask for some kingdoms especially when yes. running a whole event costs like a bunch of money for them so and 
I, I will say again, like you're saying, it's opening up a lot of opportunities. And I, I do think another great opportunity, um, I know I said before, is, uh, you know, there, there might be some award opportunities for people who do just take video of the, the whole entire game. Like, that should be an award opportunity all on its own. Like, mm-hmm. recognize the people that are making everybody's lives easier so you can, like, <laughs> look back and say, hey, I heard about this cool thing that happened. Oh, we actually have it on tape, too. Yeah, like, oh, award rec your photographers and videographers because... Oh, yes, please. please. Oh, God, they do so good work. I mean, how many of you... Okay, here. If you have used a... F- a photo from someone at an Amgard event as your Facebook photo or or background, you have to recommend them. That is a requirement. That is what you have to do. <laughs> That's a complete tangent, <laughs> but do it. Because seriously. Yeah. Holy crap. I think it's one well worth to have in pretty much any video, though, to be honest. Because, like, these people, you know, several of them are taking very professional-level photography. We mm-hmm. have two people in Winter's Edge off the top of my head that are taking very, very good photos, and we need to do better about recommending them and things as well. But <laughs> so please, please look at those those people as as dragons and other things as well, servicers. Mm-hmm. Something because it's it's I mean, it's a lot of work to take video and photo and put it through processing and getting it all the way you want and then putting it out. It's a it's a lot. Um. But recommend them. Uh, do we do we have any more? Do we think we want to hit on this this kind of like autocrat, champion, monarchy kind of larger game sets? Um, or do we want to well, open this up to everyone jumping in? Uh, I, I will just like to say, since we're on the on the topic of uh, you know mentioning people who are doing photography, video, stuff like that, and calling them out. Uh, we do have somebody in this chat as well who's been very, very good at taking photos, even at Park Day. Uh, Dahlia is in here. Good uh, job. Take more photos. Take more video. Dahlia's doing a great job at taking photos, video. Uh, posted all the GAC stuff that she's taken. Uh, really well done. Yes. Keep doing it because uh, it's I awesome. Take it. Apologies. Uh, we, we definitely recommend, I mean, if you use any of the photos, please just recommend that person. Also, if you're going to use it in any like professional sense or like advertising stuff, get their approval first because that's that's another professional yeah. thing. But um, do we want to open this up to uh, the the people in the discussion? We can open discussion about a bunch yeah. of this stuff. All right. Yeah, I'm down. I just want to reiterate. Like, I really think with this one is we need to to rely on our Reeves, and I think that they need to somewhat know they're going to be relied on mm-hmm. to see some of this you know that is another Those notebooks aspect. are a great idea mm-hmm. um uh things like that somehow to to i mean even just your phone taking notes on your phone as a read like yeah. that if you've got yeah uh just fine i think uh this we opened up a new belt line i know we opened up a new a new night path and in so doing we made uh opportunities for smiths for reeves for um autocrats and champions we we've given more opportunities to the game as a whole we just have to realize that they're there and take advantage of them uh, okay yeah, recommend your reeves. absolutely oh yeah recommend your reeves if if someone yes, reads for you please, please because they're, they're taking their time to like watch you play a game or they're yell at you, you have the fun. yeah <laughs> Some, sometimes i guess they're having fun too <laughs> watching much people beat each other um okay so 
Y'all can, uh, y'all should be able to unmute yourself pretty by yourselves, I believe. If not, Cena, could you fix that and then can unmute anybody? Um, do any of you guys have questions, comments, discussion about Battle Game Night from like a, a autocrat champion, whatever position ideas? Can people unmute? Is that not working? People should be able to unmute. Cool. Thank you, Cena. Okay. So, does anybody have any questions, comments, concerns? If for some reason you can't mute, but you unmute and you do want to speak up, uh, just type in the classroom chat, please, and we can troubleshoot. But mm-hmm. all of you should have full control at this point. Should. Should. Very much. Um, I know before we were talking about uh, specifics at GAC of what... Um, well, I'll tag this in. So, Saturday night of GAC, uh, Magnus, Vitalin, Cena, and myself were sitting around talking about um, opportunities to show off at that event. Because it was a quest event, uh, and there were two battle games. One was at level one, one was at level six. And, and then technically the, the one against the monsters in the middle of the day. But true. That was, there was also that one. Um, and you could still show them that, because there's people that went around and killed their spawn points yes um we were talking about how it worked in different things that we were we were kind of looking out for also things that we were um we were a little disappointed we didn't get to show off and try to make this new battle master uh path like really show off during that event but as we just discussed we kind of did have that opportunity and there were those opportunities um but we weren't necessarily paying attention to those those specific abilities like i can think of uh glace yes glace from the frostlands yeah logan yeah Yeah, glace yeah i went up against him several times um he made a couple good uh tactical decisions moving around me or choosing who to team up to go against me because i was playing a barbarian i had points of armor i had a shield um i had a long up and at one point uh he was making decisions and trying to call for assistance and making sure that somebody could deal with me because i had already shown that i could kill three or four members of his team before getting actually murked so he was doing a great job showing that off and that's a that's a i think a perfect example of low level uh, use of tactics. I didn't get to see him use any of his abilities, so that doesn't give him towards any of the awards, but it does make the opportunity show that he has the ability to be tactical. He's just got to use his abilities for it. And kind of echoing that and something that I had mentioned in the classroom chat earlier when uh, Magnus was talking about, oh, Vitalin provided this excellent back up to me getting the flag again we talk about uh, autocrats uh, warcrats noticing these things reeves but again we always go we always have to remember as players we are on the front lines we are literally watching these happen if we see a cool thing happen we really need to take that extra step and walk up to a reeve or walk up to their monarch and say hey this awesome thing happened i want to make sure you're aware of that because a lot of times I think we run into that in Polaris, in which we have a nasty habit that we're working on of we just assume somebody saw it and we never bring it up and then it never gets recognized. I'll go in so far as we assume certain people have certain awards. 
Um, yes. Just today, yeah. there we, so there was a, a battle, uh, Matt, order of battle committee meeting today where we were talking about where we think, uh, where we are recommending people in players to get awards. And all of us in the chat were like, hold on. Timmit got his paragon at a park level? That's not right. That's not right. He's a kingdom level paragon at least. We were all <laughs> amazed. We were just like, that's not right. That's not how this works. And he is a he he got it at a park level, but he is a hundred percent reaffirmed it as a kingdom level paragon. Like uh, um yeah. that don't go assuming what someone has. Yeah, we were just like, no, no. I I know uh, a couple people at my park and I don't see any of them in chat so that I can I can at least be vague with this, where it has become clear over the last year that, like, oh, I just assumed they were at fifth, sixth level warriors, mm-hmm. and I looked at them like, oh, you guys haven't even gotten your fourth. This needs to get Yo. fixed, absolutely. Because again, even though I've been in and out of office, nobody pointed it out to me. Right. Don't assume what level someone... And that goes back to what we talked about earlier. If you see something, say something. It doesn't matter what it was or what level you think it should be. Just tell somebody uh, that's mm-hmm. going to report it because that's that's the opportunity for them to upgrade because people may look at them and be like, they definitely have above this. I shouldn't award... Them. I shouldn't recommend them for a fifth. They're definitely playing at a seventh, but they haven't got that. Just tell Or, you know, like, look them up in the orc real quick. Mm-hmm. Like, like, just seriously, like, you have a phone on you. Grab a phone, look at Orc, and uh, see what it is. If you're in an area with no service or little service, definitely not our last GAC site. Uh, <laughs> write it down and look it up when you get home. Then. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if all y'all just had Verizon, you would have been fine. Just saying. That, that, that last GAC event was, like, impressive levels of we do not have an internet connection. Like, as soon as we stepped foot into that park boundaries, gone. Big old X in the upper right corner of my cell phone. Verizon. Verizon. <laughs> so if you see something, say something. And... Yeah. Yes. So this is something we didn't hit on because it doesn't really apply to the top, like, the, the exact topic we're talking about, but... Kingdoms are doing different things with how they're awarding. If they're going through the records and checking and seeing who they think gets an award it and to what point uh, Polaris had a set of guidelines where CK just went, if you have had these things in the past of any time at all, we're giving you this. And they'd be like 30 battle masters two weeks ago. Um, I'm not saying it's the wrong thing. I'm just saying that is one of the options that happened. Um, but that's, that's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of awards handed out at one event. Whatever your kingdom's doing, somebody might have got overlooked. Somebody might have... Uh, something might not have been recorded right. Whatever. The orc is not perfect because they're just run by people. We're not perfect. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's somebody who's... Uh, you know, they might have had an older paragon, which would have been a masterhood that didn't make it to the orc, and now they're uh, they're working right now to try to you know, show that they have it. Right. But, Find but I mean, there's things like that. Like, make sure you... Also, like, for you as a player, if you get an award, give, give your PM some time, but still check it a bit later and make sure that that gets entered. Absolutely mm-hmm. check your own records. That was or, a big problem back in the day. Or have have every single physical copy of all of your <laughs> awards that you've ever gotten and make sure that you hold on to it. 
the talent isn't in here for me to make fun of him, but still, I saw his stack of awards. It's, it's that like, was that was fun. Stack. <laughs> it was literally like an inch thick. He's like, these are the every award I've ever gotten. Yep. I was like, I think I have most of mine yeah. thanks to my wife. Yeah, Char- Charlie, <laughs> my, I'm sitting, I'm sitting next to my filing cabinet right now, where all of mine and Lyra's awards live. I'm a really naughty person, and I think I only have awards that are eight or higher, and all my other ones, like, (laughs) when I was moving out, I was like, man, some of these got water damage, some of these got, got, like, messed up, and I was like, this is a whole other thing that I have to move, and we're on the final day of moving, and I was like, fuck it, (laughs) (laughs) it's out, if people argue it, I'll get it back, but I'm not doing that anymore, I got a nice, fresh... Filing cabinet with the Manila folder that's going to be filled up with those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> keep keep track of your awards. Uh, I okay. I am normally not a huge advocate of advocating for yourself for awards. I think you should be able to ask uh, details on why you didn't get it, and I think you should be able to have that at open discussion with your monarch. Um, but the with the way that battle knight and the orders of battle work it is probably best to kind of recommend yourself like hey i did this thing i thought it was really cool uh but then give sources because uh-huh. or references or something yeah so that it, yeah or even so like if you're trying to go on like a paragon route talk to your paragons oh, um yeah. mm-hmm. Preferably, you know, go for the ones of the class that you're, like, moving toward, but even then, like, you know, Paragons of another order could still very likely tell you what you're doing right and wrong, because they have to face the Paragons of your order. Yeah. Um, And even on top of that, make people aware that you are trying to walk that path, so people do pay closer attention to you. Mm -hmm. Um. I would say, and I mean, uh, a couple of people in this chat have come to me and been like, hey, I'm going for this Paragon. Please watch for what I'm doing and then give me any critiques. And uh, it is... I know I've told you that. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it's, it, it, it is a thing that I, I take very seriously. Um, but I think pretty much every Paragon loves to do it. Also, I'm not generalizing Paragons here, I don't think, but we all really like to talk battle games. So just, <laughs> just come talk to us. And we'll yes. be like, do you oh have 45 gosh. minutes? We're going to talk about the benefits of a left flank versus a right flank on capture the flag. Like, we will do that if yeah. you have the time. <laughs> I, I actively get confused. I actively get confused when I'm talking to a paragon and they don't want to just sit there and chat about their <laughs> class for eight hours. Like, what's going on, guys? Tony, man, left is always right for flanks. Left is always right. <laughs> it's... It it's it's definitely if you're having concerns, you're having like questions or whatever, just go talk to I mean, now we have an entire other ladder system you can look at. Like you don't have to just look at paragons, you can be like, Oh, he's a seventh order of the battle. Go talk to them and be like, yo, I'm having a hard time getting my warrior skills to like work past uh X caster or whatever. What are some things I can do? And they're probably gonna be able to answer those questions. Um, and also, you going and asking questions of these people is also helping them show things as well. Yes. Um, because a good example of a Paragon is somebody that you should be able to go to and ask questions. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And even if you're not a Paragon, a good example of somebody who's a knight or working toward that path of knighthood is somebody that you can trust to go and ask questions, pick their brain, have solid advice given back to you. So while they're helping you, you grow, you're also helping them grow into the role that they're very likely trying to obtain. And, uh, you know, as that person that has been giving, like, if that person isn't giving you advice and really helping your game and, you know, you have improved from their advice, uh, just, just as you said before, let people know that that person mentored you, trained you, helped you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, was able to give you critical feedback that you were able to work on to improve your game because yeah. they, they likely should get rec- Well, not likely they should get recognized for that too. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're taking you know their time then to improve the game in their own ways. Yes. Um, I think another thing we could do, if you're getting stuck with, uh, in the in the the Smith path, you're you're not coming up with as many ideas as you think you are uh, or you want to, or you're not sure how to challenge the uh, high level orders of the battle at your park going and asking them like what they would like to see from a battle game or uh like a tactic they would like to try like i legitimately had an idea uh i wanted to see what would happen if i threw three teams in a circle and changed the objective on a rapid basis like every two four minutes the objective would change locations and the teams would have to figure out how to compensate and change up for all that thing. I wanted to see how that worked. So I built a battle game around it and it went really well at keeping the borderlands. You can do that same thing. If you're getting stuck, go ask a, somebody that, you know, likes battle games and be like, Hey, is there a weird tactic or idea or something you have? And I will figure out how to make something around it. Like if you want to see, um, cause, uh, amp guard does this terribly. We are, bad at line fighting that twists we're, we're really bad at that because normally as soon as someone starts flanking the other the, the side crumbles we're we're bad at line fighting essentially is what it comes down to but if you want to see like the whole toilet bowl like twist that Bellagarth has on a regular basis build a battle game around it figure out how to make that happen it's uh <laughs> it's your oyster mm-hmm. um any other comments questions Personal attacks against myself or my <laughs> podcast, I guess. I'm just going to say, I hope I'm not as sunburnt as I am the next time I'm on one of your podcasts. <laughs> because, uh, you are a little I was red. Ren Fair yesterday. A little, yeah, yeah, that's a word for it. A little red. <laughs> yeah, no, there was Ren Fair yesterday, and I applied sunscreen twice, and yeah. Charlie, you are a pretty white boy. That's putting it lightly. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so. One thing that I actually popped into my head while you guys were talking earlier that I wanted to bring up would probably be Teflon when you were talking about potentially flagging at like Kingdom Events and stuff like that, flagging certain games as, guys, we're going to take this one casual. Or, okay, this is your competitive one. Just to just give people the heads up. My one concern, I was wondering if you had thought about this at all, would that be then further dividing your attendance of those battle games? Yeah, I kind of gave it a little bit of thought because it does have the potential to do that, right? Like, it's rough in a way, right? Because you can kind of equate this to to tournaments, right? Like, we have some people who participate who aren't high caliber, but they add to the attendance of the tournament. Mm -hmm. But 
you have other people who are skipping it because they're like, I, you know, I, I could never win or I could never do well in this tournament, so I'm not going to play in it, uh, which it still has the same kind of connotation in the chill and no chill aspect of it too. Um, but again, I think this largely depends on the culture inside your kingdom uh, for this one. I hate going back to that mm-hmm. kind of non-answer, um, but it's something that you're just going to have to try, I think, yeah. and find out if that's going to be the case for your kingdom um, or even your park. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It, you know, it can even easily apply at, at Barony or Duchy level uh, park games or something. If if your park is tentative to the idea of a competitive game, then this is a way to dip your feet into it uh-huh. um, as well. So maybe it's a learning tool and not so much a um, division. And even as much as you say it's like a non-answer, one thing that I definitely learned over the last year and a half, two years, doing uh, some of the V9 focus groups, and I know I've talked to Merrick about this a couple times, it becoming a hard realization of how wildly different Amp Guard, especially battle (laughs) games, can be from one kingdom to one kingdom to one kingdom. People bringing up concerns that Polaris had solved years ago, or problems up in Polaris that nobody's ever heard of and there's just very little crossover and it's hard to all come to a consensus when you're playing game A and we're practically playing game B. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the the V9 discussion stuff is where I think that I've learned that Winner's Edge isn't as high as they want to feel like on the, the like competitive skill on battle game abilities and things like that. Um, the most uh and then also listening to to this podcast as well <laughs> <laughs> helped out as well um like there there are aspects that we picked up on and but there's many aspects that we just never really picked up on completely and you know it, I, it's just i think that we're a little isolated uh within ourselves whereas you guys i think can pull from your kingdoms uh which gives you a kind of a interesting test group for that mm-hmm. we yeah, Polaris kind of specifically said we are a limited space. Like we are our our bylaws technically state we are Wisconsin and Minnesota and that is our boundaries and we've picked up parks in Illinois and Iowa as well. Um but those have been like they have decided to join us. We kind of just said like Wisconsin and, and Minnesota are where we live. Um which worst case scenario means we drive nine hours across the entire thing if we really want to go far um but that does also mean that we can travel to rising winds uh 13 roads um rivermore uh if you're crazy like me and some of my friends we'll go to uh iron mountains ck wetlands um uh emerald hills like people will take the time to drive if you really want to do Yes, or use if you have the money, use the plane. Amp, Amp Guard is not flush with rich people, though, so not all of us take planes. Everywhere. We're, we're a kingdom in which there are people that consider five hours a day trip if they really want yeah. to. Yep, uh, I consider it that. I don't. I don't like it. <laughs> I, I still consider it that. Consider it. A, yeah, I. It's. It's it's all about individual culture. Um, the thing that I've noticed talking in the focus groups on this podcast with different parions, different players, uh, metas 
and where you think your skill level as a kingdom is, is very dependent on who is there. Uh, yes. There are specific metas in like CK that we, that Polaris were like, we've moved on past that, but we've never had to deal with the problem of a sword knight with a bow that's also really good with a bow. Like, uh-huh. that's never been one of our problems. Jamie's back now, so it is a problem again. But, like, we've never run into that problem that, hey, this archer is also a warlord, and uh, if we don't figure out how to deal with him, we have a problem. That's never been something on our radar, so we've never stopped at that point to, like, figure it out. We just moved past. Um, I know metas build differently depending on what your kingdom's doing, and there are certain metas you can see and tactics like the catch and release tactic, um, kill combo spells like ice ball and shatter. There are things that are going to per- are gonna go through everything, um, but like specific class combos, certain classes being more dominant is all really dependent on who's in your kingdom doing what and how your teams take the field. It's yeah, I mean the metas will change up a bit too, like yeah. you said. Uh, GAC had one wizard until the final battle game. Yeah, which was super weird for our one. Oh yeah, one wizard. <laughs> one, just one. Well, then, I mean, our show on Paragon Wizard was playing Paladin because he can. <laughs> but I mean, dang! At least he got a lightning bolt, or as we called it, a smiting bolt. Yeah, because yep. he had Thor's hammer. <laughs> oh my yeah. god. So he got it through Thor's hammer, which was a relic for our clan. Uh, but then the physical hammer broke. Oh, that's right. Uh, so he was allowed to keep the lightning bolt that came from the hammer, but he just couldn't use the hammer at that point because it needed to get it repaired. That is unfortunate. Oh, he made work with that lightning bolt. I would imagine. He was a paladin. <laughs> he had four points of armor and a sword and board and a lightning bolt. <laughs> I would kill yeah. for a lightning bolt in that situation. Right? But. But yeah, uh, the last, like, uh, Shepard uh, came in as wizard for the final battle game, but that was so weird walking onto a field that only had two wizards. It was like, there's so many more shenanigans I can do with this. <laughs> like, like, holy cow. Yeah. Um, it's... But I mean, we'll see how that changes in our next event. Like, you know, I think a lot of people came out and they're like, I want to try Paladin and Anti-Paladin. I, and we'll I, see how that yeah. settles out when, uh, you know, when it's been open for a bit longer. I mean, the meta of your your class division may end up being changed slightly because of that too. Yep. You know, bards mm-hmm. become a little more problematic with the paladin <laughs> and stuff like that. So, or the other way around. Yeah, run away. Um, yeah. So it's it's going to be that alone is going to be a change. It's really interesting, even though the the two classes are demonstrably worse than most of the others. I think, um, but the weird interactions that they cause is going to be the the deciding factor you know because yeah. mm-hmm. i mean i know merrick and i we've had this discussion definitely before in which i think paladin needs a little extra something something going into the next edition but they are also a prepackaged class that tells bards that they just don't get to have fun yeah. outside of shoving a stun so yeah uh i mean Polaris has had a surge of bards. We've been surging more and more bards for a little while uh, because we found out that like their their, their, their awes, their CCs and stuff like that on a, most of the time are just 
terrible to deal with. They're, if you have control of the CC, you win the game. Um, and now that we have a class that's literally immune to the best CC that Bard has, I think we're going to see a different change. It'll be interesting. We'll see. I mean, and this, these are things that you're going to have to try to figure out with balance. If you're throwing three paladins on one team and two bards on the other, you are hamstringing that bard yeah. team because <laughs> those paladins yeah. have A, more armor, B, immunities to most of the bard spells, and C, they have access to poles. Bards don't get nothing that long. <laughs> but then on the flip side of that, this getting back to our like discussion towards people becoming paragons or people getting their paddle master, keep an eye out for those bards who are then going up to their teammates and say, hi, I'm going to be your best friend. Your mm -hmm. job as my best friend is to keep that paladin away from me and I will help you with everything else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That wizard or druid with flame blade. Actually, that might be, that's a discussion of a different time, but I think the meta is going to change. I think <laughs> the fire is going to become more important. But that's a different story. Do we have any more comments or concerns about uh, the the battle night, how we're planning and, and growing it within our game from uh, a leadership position? Uh, I actually have one question for the panel, actually. Yeah, With the creation of Battle Master, do you think, and of course the, the night path at that point, do you think Paragon becomes more of this is somebody who's just raw skill good at this class or do you still look for the mentorship aspect because normally in the past the mentorship aspect has been associated with knighthood but it's always been a thing that was supposed to have been a thing for paragon do you expect that more less now about the same kind of how do you think those two interact yeah so mentorship uh for getting up to like Battlemaster and mentorship for getting up to Paragon. Um, so I see mentorship for Paragon still being a thing. Uh, you should still be able to teach your class effectively. You should still be that pillar of knowledge for people to go to. Um, and I think that in turn is actively helping and prepping you for things that we look for for somebody in knighthood. Like it is already displaying some knightly qualities like baked into the Paragon actually, which I kind of wish more award systems were similar to that, and to some degree. Like, it, it's difficult because there's no rewards that directly relate to that, and Paragon absolutely does. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the difference between a Paragon, you know, explaining, you know, how they work with things versus a Battle Master or somebody like that is a Battle Master should also be able to explain the tactics of the field, should be able to explain more in-depth, not just their class, but also how how to interact with other classes, even while it's playing other classes. Uh, they should have a bit more well-rounded knowledge of the game and be able to share that with people. Um, like if you tell a pair, like, uh, not pair, a battle master, hey, this is what the team, like, this is what the game looks like. This is what the layout is. Here's the team size what would you do in a situation like this? They could still delve into their Paragon hoods and be like, well, if I was a healer, I would do this. If I was a bard, I would do this. If I was a warrior, here's how I'd act. Or, you know, they could even ask what class are you going to play? Um, and then still be able to break down how they think the game would go, depending on team comp and 
and what the tactics are to achieve victory. Uh, so that's a little bit of the difference that I see. Um, like I said, the TLDR, Paragon's very focused on how their class can work with things, whereas Battlemasters should be able to give a bigger picture to things as well, not just entirely class-related. Mm-hmm. So Winter's Edge had a small discussion about and I brought up CADS's uh, 3S theory, and we kind of added a, a fourth one that's kind of a silent S of, of sports, sportsmanship. Mm-hmm. But the schooling aspect... If you're talking about it directly as a mentorship in the sense of 1v1, right? That, I think, allows more space in the Paragon with the idea of the apprenticeship and stuff like that to kind of be a little more focused on a singular person or a singular couple of people. Whereas the Battlemaster at night, if your your kingdom's culture for knighthood is also a teaching culture, maybe offering... More than just a singular kind of aspect, maybe a class or something along those lines. Like, in a way, we have developed a knighthood that has three masterhoods built into it as a possibility. Um, so, it is an interesting layout, and I like it. It's just, it's different, mm-hmm. <laughs> if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's different in terms of like martial gaming, because I mean, there's multiple masterhoods for all the other. All the other routes, but there isn't one for the other martial belt, which is sword. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I can I can say that now because the the vote failed. Okay, <laughs> we got the official here. So yeah. li- live update: it is staying a fifth belt for now, at least. Yeah. Get that uh, blue trim ready a, oh, to table it. It's so, tabled. Uh, yeah, it's officially failed tabled. and then tabled. Um, I okay. believe it was tabled because they almost didn't have quorum. So. Uh, they had 20 uh, people. Oh, they, they didn't get enough? Okay. They uh, had 20, it, they had to pass unanimous. Yeah, and it, it didn't took, it, oh yeah, it took them a while, but maybe there'll be more information. Check right. out okay. multiple pa- podcasts to find out. <laughs> yeah. Bunch of stuff. Um, okay, so I I have gone back and forth on the idea of paragons and knighthoods requiring teaching or education of some kind i i have kind of landed currently because my ideas are going to continue to change my current standard of it is teaching is the process of passing on your knowledge to someone and it doesn't have to be in a group setting like is it the idea that we've had a lot is like you got to teach classes you got to run up whatever you got to do this thing whatever you got to pass it on is my mentality of it. So if you're not, if you're hoarding your information, I think you're doing a disservice to the game and Paragon and Knighthood should be held from you because those, those are representations of people who are willing to better the game kind of at all costs. Um, so I know uh, on the WAC podcast, you guys talked about Warlord Gun, who's going to soon be mm-hmm. Sir Gun. Um, yep. he does terrible classes. He is bad at teaching classes, but he is great on one-on-one. If you go and ask yes. him questions, yeah. he will teach you how to do, if you, you, if you see him do a shot, he'll teach you how to do that shot. He'll teach you like things you could modify better. That's great. In a class setting, he's not good. And I don't think everyone should be required to be a teacher, uh, like in a class setting. Cause, um, my mom was a teacher. That's just hard. Like 
I'm not asking every night to be a classroom teacher. Just pass on your information. And I think Paragon should be the same. It's just in a very specific, narrow aspect of their Absolutely. their their mm -hmm. game. Yeah. I mean, I know I kind of hinted at that being the idea from my perspective, but that's not actually. I share your view. Mm -hmm. Just a possible distinction that could be made, but it's yeah. not one that I necessarily want to make, if that makes sense. I'm fully blown going to make it. As long as you pass on yeah. your information, you're good. Keep doing it. Um, yeah. Oh, no, I meant as, as teaching class. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you don't have to go start a podcast to do this. <laughs> no, no, you do not have to do that. <laughs> I've dropped real world money for this shit. I really enjoy it. Um, <laughs> I don't want to talk about how much money Lucas and, and Lowe's dropped. It's bad. <laughs> there, there's a large giga there there's a tera is a 16 terabyte hard drive something like that dear god uh my eyes glaze over when they get into the tech talks about stuff so right you, so <laughs> i don't know for sure to teach and pass on your information you just have to teach and pass on your information just let other people know they ask questions they want to know something they want to talk tactics they want whatever just pass on it'll be fine um uh any other questions comments concerns Personal attacks on my new podcast space. <laughs> um, if not, which it looks like we're we're good. Uh, I'm gonna close out the podcast there. So digital Merrick, recorded Merrick will uh, roll us out. And uh, thank you all for coming. This podcast was filmed in front of a live studio audience. There's no studio, unfortunately. <laughs> you guys all just can't come to my house. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of On the Path. If you liked what you heard, please give us a like or subscribe on YouTube or Spotify. And as always, see us in the comments if you have questions, comments, concerns. And remember, stay on the path.